Thanks, John. <clears throat> Some of you know that uh, the nation is in kind of a, a funk right now. The economy is in a nosedive, and we've been trying to sell our house now for about a year. <clears throat> the nation has one of the biggest debts that we've ever had in the history of this nation. It seems like every day when I turn the TV on, there's bad news. And if you're not careful, <clears throat> this bad news will cause you to begin to see everything through the lens of expectation that things are simply not going to work out. But the Lord said that he loves us and he's taken us in. Uh, he has given us the best and he is going to continue to take care of us. And so today we're going to look at uh, two men who had entirely different views of the world around them. And it had a tremendous impact on their lives as our own view of the world has an impact on our lives. Even though God loves us, we have to be reminded often. So this morning, you're going to get a little bit of the uh, time that I've had in my quiet times. Also, uh, Timothy Keller's book uh, on the, the prodigal God. <clears throat> some of the ideas came from there. Elizabeth Elliot is another one that I have been reading lately, and some of the ideas this morning also came from her books. You will discover, if you listen to me teach much, that I have never had an original idea. I am a robber baron. I run around and read the best books, the best minds that I can, and I try then to tell you the great ideas and the encouragements that the Lord gives me through Scripture. I'm going to read this Scripture, and as I begin to read it, you're going to look at each other and smile. Everyone here is going to say, yep, I know that. <clears throat> I even know the ending of it. So listen to this. And Jesus said to the tax collectors and the sinners and the Pharisees and the scribes, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me all the share of my property that is coming to me. And so the father divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed his pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And then he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long distance off, his father saw him coming and felt compassion for him, and he ran and embraced him, and he kissed him. And the son began to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father immediately interrupted him, and he turned to his servants, and he said, Quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet, and bring fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, for this is my son." who was dead, and now he is alive again. He was lost, and he is found, and he began to celebrate. Now the older brother, who was in the field, came in, and as he drew near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. 
And he called one of the servants and he asked, what, are, what does this mean? And he said to him, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the older brother was angry and he refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. But he answered the father, look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property, even with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Interesting story, isn't it? I know that when you have heard sermons on this, we seem to concentrate on the prodigal son. In fact, that's what my Bible has as a heading for this, the prodigal son. But it's really not all about the prodigal son. It's really about two lost sons. Each son is as lost as the other. But it's the way they view their life. It's through the lens of their own heart that they interpret things that are going around them. When they eat and when they work and when they play, they're interpreting everything through their own eyes. And sometimes it's not the best interpretation. Jesus is talking to these people, and there were two sets of people. There were sinners and tax collectors there. Uh, I would not want to be a tax collector simply because every time you read something in Scripture, tax collectors seem to be on the downside. Uh, I know some tax collectors, and, and most of them are nice people. But sinners and tax collectors, it's a code word for these were sinners. These were people who were outside of the expected norm, and yet they were attracted to Jesus. There was another group there. They were called the scribes and the Pharisees. They were the ones who kept the law and were very critical of everyone who did not, they were also there listening to Jesus. And so there were these two people, tax collectors or sinners, and then there were the Pharisees who you can decide for yourself if they were sinful or not. Which one do you identify with? Do you identify with the younger son who took all that he had and went off and squandered it? and then came to his senses and realized he needed to go back to his father? Or do you identify uh, with the son who stayed home all the time? You know, the father in the story represents God. And these two men, these two brothers represent the extremes of what you can, or how you can live your life. I had uh, one of my best friends several years ago, uh, he was not a Christian then, although I had an opportunity to talk to him about the Lord on many occasions at a lunch, very similar to this. But he never was able to embrace what I was teaching or what the Scripture had to say. And as the Holy Spirit, I think, was working in him and softening his heart, he never, when I knew him, came to the point where he accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. But he identified with this younger guy. He says, look, that's the one that I am. I want to discover for myself where the reins are. I want to know what the limits are myself. I want to bump against them and find out just what can I get away with and what can I not. What is real truth and what is not? I will discover it myself. I don't need a God to tell me what to do. 
in another church that uh, my wife Carol and I served at years ago. Uh, I preached this sermon, and as I was preaching it about the older brother, I saw that there was a lady in the congregation, and she just was steaming. Her ears had begun to turn red, and she was agitated. She couldn't sit still. And the, the following day, she called me up, and she said, I hate the younger brother because I have a younger brother that did just that. He left, and he left with a lot of the money, and he went off, and he squandered it. I stayed with my mom and dad. They were hard to live with. I took care of them. I took care of my mother after my dad died. When she died, I discovered that what was left, she had equally divided between the two children. And she said, there I was doing all of that, being obedient, taking care of her, sacrificing myself. And I didn't get what I knew that I was supposed to get. Well, most of the time, this sermon does separate these two guys, talking about one as if he's somehow better than the other at the end of the story. But listen, <clears throat> have you ever thought about this, uh, this story? When you read through it, at the end of these uh, parables that Jesus is talking to, the scribes and the Pharisees and the sinners and the tax collectors, you would have thought when he finished this story about the two brothers that there would have been this great sense of relief, maybe even applauding. People would have appreciated it. But instead, the Pharisees were steaming because they knew he was referring to the way they looked at things. You see, the brother who left decided that he was going to go on the journey of self-discovery. And there's no doubt that probably most of you did that unless you accepted the Lord when you were just little folks. We have two children, two boys, who did accept the Lord. And it's a tough row for a little child when they're coming through, especially the public school systems, to walk a Christian life because there's so many opportunities to step out of line. And so this young man decided he was going to discover life for himself. And so off he went. <clears throat> When he got away, he squandered all that he had. He looked for the truth, and then he found himself totally bankrupt. Uh, it's something that uh, basically happened to me. Uh, I didn't have any money to start out with, but I tried to decide the truth on my own, and I discovered eventually, as someone came to me and began to explain the truths from Scripture, that this was the truth, and the very thing that I thought I was discovering was going to leave me in a pigsty, and so... I'm like the younger, the younger brother. But I can understand the older brother feeling the way that he did. He stayed, and he's been obedient. Uh, Elizabeth Elliot, in her book, this, uh, These Strange Ashes, it's a book that she wrote in 1975. It's an, it's an old book. And by the way, have you found that some of the older books are much better than some of these new books that are on the shelf? Uh, some of these new books are a little bit like candy. The first chapter kind of tastes good, but as you continue to read through it, it gets a little old. There's not much new in there. But Elizabeth Elliot, in her book, These Strange Ashes, tells a, an, an apocryphal story about uh, Peter. Uh, this story is not in Scripture. It's not in the Bible, but it serves an it interesting illustration, and she used it for this illustration. Jesus, in the story, was taking his disciples on a long journey. 
And so he gathered his disciples together and he told them each, go grab a stone and take it with you on the journey. So they went and Peter, listening to the Lord, goes around and he says, you know, uh, God didn't say, I mean, Jesus didn't say get a big stone, so I'm, I'm going to get a small stone so it won't be much tough trouble to, to carry. So he picked up a little stone, he put it in his pocket, and off they went. Lunchtime rolls around, and Jesus raises his hand over his disciples and says, take the stones out of your pocket, they have turned to bread, let's have lunch. And so they each took the stone out, Peter took his little stone out, and in two bites, the stone was gone. The bread was gone because he he took such a small stone. They get ready to leave on their journey, and Jesus tells his disciples, go pick up a stone and take it on the journey with you. So Peter goes, aha, I've got this figured out. I know what's going to happen. So he goes out, and he finds this small boulder, and he puts it on his shoulder. He can hardly walk. He can hardly keep up with the group. But he knows if I carry this stone, it's going to be mine. And it's going to be a great supper that I'm going to have. And so finally, the group arrives on the edge of this big river. And Jesus said, it's time for supper. But before we eat, throw all of your stones in the river. And Peter looked at him and said, wait a minute. I thought that this was going to be my bread. And Jesus said, Peter, were you carrying the stone for me or were you carrying the stone for you? And so in life, often we can do the right thing for the wrong reason. And this is something similar to what the older brother was doing. He was doing the right thing for the wrong reason. The young man came home. And the story says that uh, as the father saw him at a distance. Now, this is really important. In the ancient Near East, when this story was set and this story was told, it's similar to the way we have it today. My dad is an old man. He has respect of others around him. He has my respect. I'm proud of my dad. He served in World War II. He gave up two years of his life so that I could have freedoms. He worked in a textile mill and sent me to college, and it didn't cost me a nickel. Uh, He has done a lot for me and my mom. He was a good provider, still is, the best of his abilities. I'm proud of my dad. I would not expect him to do something that would embarrass him in public. This elder gentleman who was the father was wearing a robe. That's what they wore in those days. For him to run across the field and meet his son, he would have had to have pulled up that robe and exposed his naked legs to all of those around. It was something that simply was not done. It would have been shocking. And then he did something else that was shocking in those days. He ran. An elderly statesman never ran. The child may run to him, but he doesn't run to the son. This father ran giving up his dignity and his station in life that had already been damaged when he had to sell off a third of his property to give to this son anyway. And he finds this son, and when he gets to the son, the the son has been rehearsing what he's going to say. He's going to tell his dad how bad he's been and how repentant he is and all of this. And so the father grabs up the son and he hugs him, and the son begins to spout out this thing that he has memorized, and I think it's coming from his heart. 
but before he could get it out. It was of no consequence. The father accepted the son back, and he turned to his, uh, his servants, and he said, bring the best robe. Do you know whose robe that would have been? The father had the best robe. He's saying, bring my robe and put it on my son. That's an acceptance. That is a, uh, a picture of what the Lord does to us when he accepts us. Put a ring on his finger. Put shoes on this boy's feet. He's my son. I'm accepting him back into the home. And so 